Welcome to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec, where we dive deep into collegiate sports betting. This topic has become a hot button issue in the new day of NIL, revenue sharing, conference alignment, and gambling. We pick the most highly anticipated college sports games each week, share insights, and analyze statistics before revealing where we stand. Let's get this underway. Hedging the Bet is coming to you next from the Impact Sports Studio. Welcome back to another episode of HTV with Handwork and Rec. We are in week three of our college basketball coverage, and we're going to be doing a fun segment today called the Blue Devil Blues, talking about the recent uh, struggles of Duke basketball. And I'll hand it over to my man, Brian Rector, to break that down. Yeah, Duke, as we know, has been the premier program in America for 39, 40 years. They've won national championships. I mean, like they're going out of style. And uh, Durham, North Carolina has been the premier spot for college hoops. Cameron Indoor, Coach K, all these guys. And it started in 83-84. So we're coming up on really the 40-year threshold for Duke being just the elite of the elite. That class included Jay Billis, Dave Henderson, Mark Allery, Johnny Dawkins, and a couple of others who really got the program rolling, 83-84. And I was thinking about this because it's the first time during our lifetimes where we're considering Duke an average program. They're middle of the road. And that just, it doesn't sit well with me. It's peculiar. They're 8-5 and five in the ACC this year, 17-7 and seven overall. They're not ranked, and that's not to say they haven't had years where they're unranked or they haven't had years where they're right around 500 in conference play. They were that only two years ago. They went 9-9 nine and nine during the COVID year uh, within the ACC, but it feels like uncharted territory, and part of it is that... They have John Shire in there, who's the successor to Coach K. And they have injuries they've dealt with. That one is clear, but it's I can't get past a couple times thinking about who they've lost to in the fashion in which they've lost a couple of those games. It really does. It feels different, and it feels concerning. As in, like, this could be the end of a tremendous era because now Duke is still really good at home. Don't get me wrong, but now they're not feared going on the road. They have problems through their whole roster and like John Shire's kind of reeling a little bit. So what I wanted to talk about and now handwork, I'll patch you into this equation here is what is happening with Duke where is their state of affairs as a program, and what can we expect going forward? Do you think that Shire can get it right? Yeah, I, I totally think he can get it right, and I want to go off what you said about like Duke going on the road and how they've really struggled. Like You saw him on a Monday against Miami, and Miami just blew the doors off them, so that's been like really interesting. Like Duke has not been a really feared team. Uh, when they go on the road, uh, they still have, I believe, the undefeated home record under John Shire. So I, I really do believe that Duke has the opportunity to get this thing right. They got a first-year head coach. It's going to be a slow start. They got their first year without the legendary Coach K. So it's going to they are, they're going to have some growing pains. But 
They still got excellent recruits coming in over these next coming years. So there's, I wouldn't hit the panic button so far for, uh, or at least as of right now for uh, John Shire and Duke. I would say the one thing that concerns me is how they, um, they've been outside the top 25 for most of the season, which I think is very concerning. That's not a very common thing that we see out of the Duke Blue Devils, at least in my lifetime I haven't seen that. So it's been very surprising to see how Duke has been playing this year, but I wouldn't say that John Shire isn't doing a good job. I think there are things that he could improve on, but you're just going to have to give him time. It's first-year head coach, so we'll see how this uh, goes on uh, down the line. Yeah, yeah. I was looking into Duke's schedule this year, and it's like, you know, you beat Jacksonville and South Carolina upstate to begin the year. Big whoop. You win those games, huge. But then it's like, man, okay. You come out to Portland, Oregon and play the the Phil Knight Legacy bracket and you beat Xavier there. Xavier's turned into a great team. So that's a big time win. But you get shellacked by Purdue. That's when Purdue was still relatively unknown. Now, obviously, they've soared to number one. But you beat Oregon State in the opener of that tournament by three. And you're like, what? Oregon State is terrible. Not a very good team, yeah. They're atrocious. And then, you know, you beat Iowa. Iowa's good. They're looking better. But then it's like, okay, you open up the conference by losing to Wake. Then you beat Florida State handily. Florida State's not good. Leonard Hamilton is, is I think, running his well dry there. Then you lose to North Carolina State. When was the last time we can say that? Pitt's a good team. They're at the top of the ACC. Duke beat Pitt. You beat BC by one. You beat Miami by two at home. You lose to Virginia Tech. And then you beat Georgia Tech by 43. And then you beat Wake Forest by two. And then, obviously, you know what has just happened. Carolina beat them. So Tobacco Road sealed up. But there's another one of those coming in March. And then, like, are trounced by Miami in what is just a, a completely, completely shocking turn of events. You only score 59 points for the game. Mark Mitchell only had five. Philip Kowski went four of 12 from the field for nine points. I mean, their leading scorer, and there were two of them, Young and uh, Derek Lively, the second, both had 11. And it, it's just, it is puzzling. I mean... Duke does not have an elite scorer who can take over the game. And they need to find it. I mean, Jeremy Roach has been out for a considerable portion of the year. They've rotated the bench a little bit. They've tried to heat it up. But, like, nothing can bring stability to this club right now. And uh, I would be curious to know because we don't know. And part of, I think, the issue here is the media and how the media is blowing this thing out of proportion, which kind of is what we're doing right now. But nevertheless, I think that Duke is in a troubled state. And back to what I was saying is I would be curious to know what fans in Durham and that state are saying right now. 
to be very interesting to say. Um, I'm assuming most of them, with how passionate that their fan base is, I would say most of them are really concerned. Like, this is something that they're not very used to. You mentioned uh, the media has been very unfair to them. And 17-7, and that's not really a very common uh, Duke thing to do. And going back to the COVID year where they missed the NCAA tournament, that's kind of hard to, like, put on their shoulders because that year was just super wacky. A lot of people are going to not remember that year as a legitimate season, at least in my opinion. Um, One thing I'm really interested to see is they go on the road to play a top 10 Virginia team uh, on Saturday um, on ESPN. So that should be a very interesting game. Do they go there and get blown out or do they go there and get a good win? We'll just have to wait and see. Um, So yeah, I think... Like I said, I'm not going to panic if I'm a Duke fan. I can get reasons why you can be upset. You're 17-7. and seven, You're 8-5 and five in the conference. It's something you're not very used to, and uh, you're just going to have to deal right now and hope for the best for the rest of the season. Think about it this way. So Duke is at 17 wins right now. They had 13, as you just said, in 2021. But the last time Duke finished a year in in a win total that was in the tens, they did it twice in a row in 95 and 96. Other than that, you're winning 30 games a year. <laughs> a year. I mean, think about it this way. Excluding the 13-win season, their previous win totals Going back to, well, starting with last year and moving backwards, 32, 25, 32, 29, 28, 25, 35, 26, 30, 27, 32, 33. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, point at another program in the country and say that's what the case has been year over year. And it just hasn't. Maybe it's stability. Maybe it's the end of a the tremendous run. I don't know. I'm I'm not willing to say that. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to profess that Duke is over as an institution. But it's it's curious because you have a coach for 43 years and then just like that, it, it he's gone and they are gone. You know, those teams that were had so it's a wild storyline to watch but i want to wrap it up this segment by looking at their schedule and thinking about the best case scenario so they've got virginia next okay do they win or do they lose they lose okay so they're 17 and 8 notre dame at home win okay 18 and 8 uh syracuse in syracuse that's tough. Virginia went there and they almost lost. I'm going to say they win. Okay. 19 and 8. Now, you better beat Louisville at home. <laughs> yeah. Louisville's yeah. 3 and 21 for yeah. our listeners out there who have not been following the ACC. 3 and 21. Okay. So let's, They'll beat Louisville. Let's say that's a win. Yeah. So you get to, what is that? 20? Is that, that's 20, right? Yep, 20. Okay. Yeah. So you're at 20. Virginia Tech. Win. Okay. 21. North Carolina State, albeit that's at home. I'm going to say they win that. Wow, okay, 22. And then North Carolina L. Okay, okay, so that's fair. You're looking at 22 and 9. Yeah, okay, so 
I don't know. Would you consider that a failure? Because that's probably <laughs> an NCAA tournament. I mean, ah. Uh, that is tough because, I mean, Michigan State has gone, like, I think it was the year before everything got shut down. They went 22-9. and nine. I was like, wow, oh, that's fantastic. You win the Big Ten. Maybe there's a couple of losses in there you wish you would have had back, but still you got good momentum going in the tourney. So I think that's, again, that's not what you expected as a Duke fan. You're more like, okay, we're going to go for the regular season and at most only lose, like, seven games. So um, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you don't have, like, double-digit losses where you got 10 or more so if they can finish the year 22 and 9 get a little momentum going in the ACC tournament the ACC championship at least the regular season championship is still pretty much alive for them um if you look at the conference so um yeah if they can get on a little run here maybe get an ACC regular uh season championship then you there's no reason to panic if you're a Duke fan you know who the key is for Duke is is Tyrese Proctor, freshman guard. Yeah, uh, like he's somebody. Excuse me, he is somebody who isn't being talked about necessarily because he's only averaging eight point seven. But I really think he's somebody who who could elevate them. He scored seventeen a couple times in in the last four games. He scored eleven, and then he took a step back in their recent loss. But but still, though, I I think that. There are a couple guys who have played fewer minutes than maybe they should have for the year, and when they've played more, they've played better. That's how it tends to go. It's just, it's a wonder. And, you know, I think to sum it up, media's blowing this thing up. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to wait and see what uh, Duke uh, Duke does over these uh, next couple weeks, but... Let's move on to our games of the week. We're going to start with Iowa taking on number one Purdue. So despite the 79-74 loss at the hand of the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday, the Boilermakers remain number one in the country, while Iowa, on the other hand, has been playing really good basketball lately. They've rallied off three straight wins with their recent win coming against Illinois, where Tony Perkins lit it up, scoring 32 points and going 8-for-11 from the field. So in this matchup, do the surging Iowa Hawkeyes go into Mackey Arena and upset the Purdue Boilermakers? Uh, that's tough to say. You know, I, I think, like, beating Illinois is a great, great victory. And, you know, to get to 15-8, and eight, uh, like, you have to be excited about that. How about this, though? Hawkins for Iowa, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Perkins. It, no, 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 no. I misspoke. Hawkins from Illinois was held to 0 of 7 from the field. Yeah. That's big time. I mean, the Hawkeyes have played good defense. They shot it well. They shot it 45%. And, um, you know, I think maybe there's a little bit of a jump from getting back Patrick McCaffrey, which he was out uh, dealing with, you know, a couple things that were going on personally so we don't have to get into that but he's back and they're playing outstanding so i don't know dude i i like them obviously as you said perkins just went crazy um that was fun to watch he played okay when they were here i remember but nothing to the effect of 32 i mean that's unheard of but then it's like it's purdue man (laughs) Purdue is that good. So, 
My inclination says it's going to be Purdue, but that doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that Iowa's been great the last month. Yeah. Don't forget, this was an Iowa team back at the beginning of the season that lost to Eastern Illinois, who's like really bad. And we had thought at that time that, wow, the sky is falling for the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And they have just continued to deal with adversity. You mentioned what happened with uh, Patrick McCaffrey and um, stuff like that. So um, I think Iowa, it's going to be tough to go on the road and beat a really good Purdue team. But I just think Purdue and Zach Eady, they're going to be too much. I think if this game was at Iowa, I would i would pick Iowa. But I'm going to go with Purdue in this one against the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know what I want to see? I really want to see the matchup of Mason Gillis against Chris Murray. Murray it, operating under the assumption that is the guarding matchup. I think it will be. And I think it will be because Gillis is one of the more physical defenders Purdue has. But subsequently, for being a physical defender, he fouls a lot. And Murray, I mean, uses his size to his fullest advantage. So I wonder if Gillis could get in foul trouble and Murray could continue to light it up. Because you have to think of ways to offset Zach Eady. We know he's going to get his. I don't think that... Rebracha is going to do much against Edie. I'm just going to sit here and say that right now. Neither one of the McCaffreys will be able to harness him. So it's like, okay, who puts a muzzle on Zach Edie? And say it's no one. You need to fight him. I mean, fire with fire. And that's Murray for them. So if Gillis can sustain a few fouls early, take a seat, and then they have to rotate somebody on to, to Murray... It could happen. Yeah. Uh, like, it's one of these things that is possible. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And another thing is uh, Zach Eady on Saturday against Purdue, he got he picked up three fouls, which was really surprising in that game. So does he get in uh, some sort of foul trouble again in this one and they have to rely on other players like Fletcher Lawyer? Yeah, which, like, here's what I will say is when you have to quote-unquote I'm doing air quotes in the studio here. Rely on Fletcher Lawyer, who's been phenomenal. That's not a problem, per se. Especially, you know, even if Edie gives you, like, 15 and 10, <laughs> that's an average game. You know, that below average for him, but, but average or above for the rest of the country. So, that wouldn't be a bad thing, inherently. It would just be a lot tougher of a climb. Yeah. All right, well, before we move on, let's do a quick prop bet for this game. Mm. Got a good one for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what I want to do. I want to do Perkins, and the entire reason I'm doing this is because he just came off of a big-time game, scoring 32. We'll say Perkins over or under 18 points. I'm going to go a little bit under. I think he gets to 15, but... He was absolutely phenomenal on uh, Saturday against Illinois. It's hard to replicate a performance like that. I still think he gets into double figures, but he's going to go below 18 in this one. What do you think? Yeah, you know, let's face it. Like, the only time that he has outperformed 18 was against Seton Hall early in the year. Uh, He did it again on... 
January 15th against Maryland, and he's done it one more time. So law of averages say no. He's averaging 11.6. I think that 18 is high, but I think that uh, he'll, he'll go above his average of right around 12. As you say, I think maybe 16, 15, 14, something like that. But then, you know, you have to look past him. Maybe we'll see a bigger game from uh, Pat McCaffrey. That would that would be the key, I think, to, to um, Perkins not getting to 18. Agreed. Yeah. Should be a good one uh, at Mac Arena on a Thursday night. Number three, Alabama taking on Auburn. The Crimson Tide remain one of the best teams right now in all of uh, college basketball due to the stellar play of future NBA lottery pick Brandon Miller. Auburn, on the other hand, comes into this matchup slumping a little bit with a 17-6 and record and struggling offensively, which was shown in their matchup against the Tennessee Volunteers, where they only scored 43 points in a 46-43 to game. That sounds like an SEC football game. So who wins this matchup between number three, Alabama, and Auburn? Big-time rivalry game here. Yeah, and then, I mean, oh, A&M beat Auburn too. Yeah, so. by double digits. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pause. That was a five-point game. Five-point game? 83-78, yeah. What's but, that? Uh, when was that? That was uh, Tuesday, the seventh. So okay, last Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's what I don't get. Auburn has four players who will give you double digits every night, and they're still struggling to compete with a team like A and M. Like, you know, Wendell Green Jr. is awesome. He's averaging fourteen. He had. 20 against A&M. They didn't lose because of him. Jalen Williams is averaging 10.5. Then, as well, Johnny Broom, he's been awesome. He's averaging 14-9 and and shooting it very well. But I think, you know, this, this Auburn is not the Auburn of the Jared Harper and um, the... I mean, the final four Auburn yeah. days. That's not what this is. Chuma Okiki and all those guys. So I think that it'll be tough. I think that we've we've touched on it all year. Alabama's guard play is so, so elite. So elite that they'll be hard-pressed to lose many games down the stretch here. So give me Alabama. But, you know... uh, not by that many. Like, I, I think it'll be relatively close. Maybe 10. Yeah, I, Alabama, I think, is one of my favorites to win the national championship right now and go to the Final Four if I could pick one team to win it as of right now in all of college basketball. But I just think this weekend, I think this is a huge trap game for Alabama. And I think with how Auburn's been struggling recently, I think Bruce Pearl is going to fire this team up. They're going to play really inspired basketball. And they're going to get a big win against Alabama on Saturday. So I'm going to pick Auburn to pull the upset. You know, 
Oh man, I like what you said about Bruce Pearl. I really do. He's he's one of the leading motivators. He's one of the good guys in college hoops. But for Alabama and Nate Oates, you know who has to play better is Mark Sears. Sears has has scored four, eleven, nine, and thirteen the last four games. So he needs to elevate because he is their second leading scorer and cannot go without that. <clears throat> You'll you'll get ten and eight from Clowney, and then it kind of drops off though. So it's those top three that have to be just on point. Obviously, you know, uh, for Quinterly, he's also been m- marginal, averaging or not averaging, but having scored three and four the last few games there and didn't play actually against uh, pause wait what's today the 8th okay yeah so didn't play against LSU on the 4th so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them but I think looking on the paper right there is like Auburn has four players who will be at 10 or more. And Alabama has three who are around 18, 13, 10. And then it's like seven and six and four for their, you know, scoring production other than that. So it'll be interesting. But guard play of Alabama, fantastic. Auburn down a little bit. But Bruce Pearl is the X factor, so yeah. So we mentioned how um, Brandon Miller has been so good for this Alabama team. As we move on to our prop bet, he's averaging eighteen point eight points per game. So in this one against Auburn, does he go over or under eighteen points? Over. I think Miller's due for a big time game, and I think this is one that he might think and like have it circled on the calendar because Alabama speaking about Auburn smells blood in the water. They've been trending down. They're ready to Alabama's ready to pounce. And I think Miller has the instinct to know that and to look at this one and say, okay, what can I do here? That would be just ultra impressive that would get the nation talking that would reassert us as being you know wonderful and um i would say over yeah i I really would i think this might be a 25 point game from him yeah i'm gonna go over as well but it's gonna be in a losing effort as i said i think auburn pulls off the upset moving on to number 21 uconn taking on number 23 creighton the Huskies have been struggling lately until last night when they dominated a top 10 Mar- Marquette team, 87-72. to They got a big win last night at home to kind of uh, re-motivate their team, essentially. And then um, the Blue Jays recently have been surging at the right time after a slow start to the season that featured a top 10 ranking, so Creighton's on the rise as well. So who wins in this matchup between Creighton and UConn? Yeah, you know, it's a battle between Kalkbrenner and Sonogo, the two big men on the floor. I think when it comes down to it, 
I'm so high on Adama Sanogo, and I have been since last year. And there's good reason for being excited about UConn, watching what they did. Especially, like, you and I were just sitting here talking about Marquette, like they're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And all they did was beat Marquette by 15. I mean, it was sizable. You know, um, they allowed the Golden Eagles to shoot 24% from three. So that was highly impressive. They also, UConn just shot 50 from the field, 52 from three. And, (laughs) oh, by the way, out-rebounded Marquette by 24. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Newton for UConn, Tristan Newton had 10 boards. He averages 4.2 and just said, okay, this dude had 12, 10, and 12 <laughs> against Marquette. Like, what? And um, then Aline, Naheem Aline had 13, and Hawkins scored 20, Sanogo had 18, and Carabon had 13 on 5 of 6 shooting. Like, the Huskies could do no wrong against Marquette. So, after a little bit of a slide, you know, barely beating Georgetown, kind of slithering through a little bit. I think it's going to be UConn. I really do. But but does Kalkbrenner keep it close? And does that, that McDermott defense do enough? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I'm going to go with Creighton. Um, ah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. <laughs> UConn needed that win last night, and it was a good feint. I thought they looked spectacular in that game last night. It kind of, like I said, re-motivated their team. Uh, Down the stretch, I think they can really do some good feints, that UConn team. But Creighton beat a really good Xavier team two weeks ago, and they beat them by, like, double digits, and they dominated that Xavier team. I don't think they're going to dominate UConn on Saturday. I think this is going to be a... Seesaw battle, it's going to be back and forth. It's probably, I think, going to be a really high-scoring game where we could see both teams in the 80s. But I'm going to go with Creighton in this one to win this game. They're just surging at the right time. They're clicking. They're looking really good. So I'm going to go with Creighton against uh, UConn. And uh, what do you got for me as a prop bet for this game? Mm. Hmm. Allow me to exhibit my searching skills to see what I want to do with you here. I know who I want, but I don't know what I want it to be. Give me two seconds here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go Tristan Newton, who just recorded the triple-double, 12, 12, and 10. We're going to go... We're going to go 25 total points plus rebounds plus assists over under. Uh, that's a good one. I'm going to go over, but just by a little bit. I think he'll get to 27. Okay. What do you think about that? I like it. I mean, in games past, he went 15, 8, and 6. So that's 29. 
Yeah. In uh, he missed it two games ago, but three games ago he went twenty three four and four. He's been hanging around, you know. He he's been doing that. I think we'll see another one where it's the balanced attack, and I think he'll mix in dishing it inside for Sonogo, who takes one dribble and up to the rim. I think you know he'll be able to rebound the basketball. I'm not sure that that Creighton has anyone who can rebound it tremendously outside of Kalkbrenner. Um, yeah, I would go over on that too. I would. Yeah, I agree, and I mentioned that it'd be a very high-scoring game, so it's very possible that that could happen. Number 21, Indiana taking on Michigan. The Wolverines may have finally found their groove on offense in these last two wins against the Ohio State Buckeyes and Northwestern on the road. Hunter Dickinson has been playing much better basketball for the Wolverines these past two games and has finally seen key contributions from Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin, while Trace Jackson Davis continues to shine for the Hoosiers as he recently reached 2,000 points for his career and was spectacular in the upset win over the Purdue Boilermakers, scoring 25 points and followed it up with a 20-point performance in the win against Rutgers. So does Michigan upset Indiana at a Chrysler at the Chrysler Center, which should be a very hostile environment as Indiana comes in to play Michigan? Yeah, we were. Ooh, <laughs> I got really. I was eating the mic there for a minute. We were curious about whether Michigan would would receive offensive production from the likes of Howard and Buffkin. And that's been proved correct, as you say. They have been better. Dickinson, yeah, he's good. We knew that, as much as we don't want to say it, maybe. But I think, and by the way, okay, like, if this goes south, I did not say this. But I could also be the biggest genius on this show to ever live. I would watch this Nebraska game tonight. That Michigan is playing and be concerned about it if I were a Michigan fan. I think that we'll know a lot more about the Indiana game after tonight. It's a 6.30 tip against the, the Cornhuskers. But, yeah, as you say, I mean, Mike Woodson and, you know, TJD doing what they've been doing, beating Rutgers. Rutgers is a really good team. Beating Purdue. Purdue is the best team in America right now. I just, I gotta love it. I think, you know, Shafino is good. I think that Xavier Johnson has been good. I just, I think it's gonna be Indiana, but I think it's gonna be knockdown, drag out. Like, it, it, it may stay close. It may stay close, but at the end of the day, I would expect Indiana to get it done. That Nebraska by the uh, game, by the way, um, the line for that game is Michigan minus eleven and a half. So I mean, it's the, eleven now. It's it it's just shifted down right. to eleven. Yeah, yeah. These these betters, I like these last two games. They've watched uh, them play Northwestern, and they've watched them play Ohio State. They're starting to get really confident. 
um, in this Michigan team. So, yeah, I think that is something to watch out for tonight between Michigan and Nebraska. Pause. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Nebraska just beat Penn State. They did. Yeah, at home. So, yeah, I mean, if I were a Michigan fan, I wouldn't be overlooking this game. Um, You got to come out. You got to play good basketball uh, to beat Nebraska. But I think we'll know a lot about this Indiana-Michigan matchup after Michigan plays Nebraska tonight. Uh, The key, ultimately, I think for this one is going to be the matchup between Trace Jackson Davis and Hunter Dickinson. And I really think at the end of the day, I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to get the best of Hunter Dickinson. I just think he's playing much better basketball right now than uh, Hunter Dickinson. And uh, I think we'll see contributions, I think, from both teams. I think uh, Jet Howard's going to have a good game. And uh, Jalen Hood Shafino is going to have a good game as well for the Hoosiers. So in the end, I like the Hoosiers to get the best of Michigan. And they're going to pull off a big-time win and what should be a hostile environment at the Chrysler Center on a Saturday night, a 6 o'clock tip. Can I tell you who X-Factor is for Indiana? Yeah. Miller Cobb. Yeah, three-point shooter, really good. Um, if he can get on a roll, watch out. So, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. That's dangerous. I mean, he just netted 18 yeah. against Rutgers. So, you know, he, he's been okay for the year he's averaging 8.3 he was kind of slow with five six and seven but then erupted on on six of nine from the field so who knows yeah I mean, like peaking at the right time maybe down the stretch if that he can get really hot watch out this indiana team can go really far in the tournament and uh we'll just have to wait and see uh so the prop bet for this one is trace jackson davis we mentioned how spectacular he's been recently for the uh, Indiana Hoosiers, does he go over or under 20 points and 10 rebounds? Does he go over or under for that one? I can't believe you just did this to me. I'm writhing in pain now. Uh, huh. It's not as crazy as the one I had last week when I had Zach Eden and Trace Jackson <laughs> Davis over or under 35 rebounds, oh, yeah, was, and it didn't even hit 30. It was 35 boards. Yeah, uh, yeah under, under. Under. 20 and 15 is just, oh. In a game like this, with so many unknowns, I think that especially, like, I believe Cop is going to help. And I believe that Shafino is good. Jalen Hood Shafino. I think that Xavier Johnson is capable. No, no. I don't I don't think twenty and fifteen is rational. You know what's, rational. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I might go over. I think he's gonna go over. I think he's gonna he's obviously I think gonna get over ten rebounds. He's he had I think like eighteen against Purdue, so I think he'll get that margin, but 20 points is going to be tough, and I think he's going to get there, so I'm going to go over. I think he like, I'm willing to, to put every egg in the basket of he'll go double-double, but to what extent do you go? I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough prop bet. Just have to see if it works out. Number 11, Baylor taking on number 15, TCU. The Bears have been on a hot streak lately as they have won seven of their last eight games thanks to the stellar play of NBA lottery pick Keontae George, who leads the Baylor Bears in scoring this season. 
And the Big 12 has been one of the most competitive conferences in all of college basketball. There are currently eight teams that are projected to make the NCAA tournament. The Horn Frogs, on the other hand, have been struggling as TCU is currently on a two-game losing streak with their most recent loss coming on Tuesday night where they were dominated by the Kansas State Wildcats 82-61. So can Jamie Dixon and the TCU Horn Frogs get a big-time win at home over a really good Baylor Bears team? No, they can't. I think it's going to be Baylor. And listen, okay, Baylor just beat Texas Tech by a mile. I mean, that was a 27-game point game. Uh, and as well, here's what I want to look at, though, is the assist total for Baylor. Baylor had 26 assists on 35 made field goals. That's pretty dang good. I mean, that rivals the best percentage in the country for a game. And I just I think that they're starting to gel with Bridges and Thamba. And think about it this way. Think about it this way. With Jalen Bridges being a junior, Flo Thamba being a senior, Keontae George being a freshman, but LJ Cryer is a junior, and then Flagler is a senior. It's like this is one of the more experienced teams. They've been in the national championship. They have been here, there, and everywhere, right? And they've beaten big-time teams, played big-time games. So everything... Because the four of those guys, Bridges, Thomba, Cryer, and Flagler, all have something to offer. And then, don't forget about my guy, Jonathan Chachua. How's that for a name right there? I like that. Yeah, he's averaging 8-4 too, but he's shooting at 75%. Uh, here's what I have to say, though, about Baylor, is the four of those guys who have been there and played on the biggest stage under Scott Drew have clearly helped Keontae George make the jump to the next level. And as long as he is going for 17-5-3-3 on 7-of-11 shooting, they're going to win games. And I don't have a whole lot to say about TCU. I think that they are and have been a good squad. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. I really like Damian Baugh, who scored 13, 19, 16, 12, and 16 over his last, what is that, five? Yeah. And he usually will give about five rebounds and assists as well. So he's kind of a do-it-everything guy. Damian Baugh is who I look for for TCU if they want to try and overthrow this Baylor siege. I don't think TCU is going to get blown out like they did uh, last night against Kansas State. I think they're going to play a lot better. It's going to be a close game. But in the end, I just think it's Baylor. Keontae George, we uh, mentioned, he's just... He's going to be, I think, too much for this TCU team. And then uh, real quick before we go into Michigan State, Ohio State, our final game of the day, um, got a quick prop bet for me? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to stick with Damian Ball because I like it. And I'm going to say points, rebounds, assists, 23 over, under. 
Man, you're really killing me with these points, rebounds, and assists. Um, <laughs> well, let me help you, though. Well, let me help you. He's averaging 13, 4, and 4. 13, 4, and 4. For 21. Under. Uh, I'm, it's a risk, but I'm going to go under. Uh, he'll get close, but I'm going to go under. So, uh, Baylor, yeah. I just think Baylor's, they're going to shut down a lot of TCU scores. And I just think that's the reason why he's going to go under. So, but it'll be close, and I would bet the over if you wanted to. Um, but I'm going to go under for this one. Before we get to our last game, let's do. And I'm not saying we go into great detail about this because we didn't prep for it. That's not what I'm saying. But I think there might be a little bit of an upset brewing between BYU and Gonzaga. Really. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's at BYU. Uh, no. No, no, no. It's at Gonzaga's at home? Uh-huh. That's where it gets tough. That's where it gets tough. But I think BYU, BYU has something here. I think they just beat, okay, so Loyola Marymount, okay, which beat Gonzaga. BYU just beat Loyola Marymount by 28. Wow. <laughs> wow. I see I yeah, I see it. I see where you're coming from, but I don't know. I think that might be a little too much. You're the one who denounced Gonzaga. <laughs> I I did last week. I did, and I was right. You were right. Yeah. You were, but I looked at that and went, "Hmm." Dude, if you're hmm. Gonzaga, you cannot lose that game. No. You cannot. No. No. I mean, if they lose that game, that puts them out of the top 25. For oh, sure. 100%. Because they're at nine, no, 16. Oh, yeah. Now. If you lose that game, you're out of the top 25. Mm-hmm. And St. Mary's wins the uh, West Coast Conference, which pretty much they have wrapped up, I'd say, unless they lose a couple games down the stretch and Gonzaga keeps winning. But, yeah. That, that I would say, is a very bold statement. Now, are you picking BYU to win the game? I, I didn't want to get this far. I knew you were going to do this, so I, di- I wanted to drop the mic and walk out. Uh, no, but I, I, I won't do that. I will play the conservative side of the coin, but I think it's something to watch for, for sure. I think Definitely. that McCarthy Athletic Center there in, in Spokane – is a great place to play, but this year feels different. Yeah. I'm going to go with Gonzaga as well, but yeah, watch out. I mean, that could be a trap game, and you better not lose that if you're Gonzaga. Okay, so moving on to our final game, Michigan State and Ohio State in Columbus on Sunday. The Spartans got back in the win column last or on Tuesday night. It, was, it wasn't pretty. Uh, they won 63-58. to 58 over the Maryland Terrapins with Joey Hauser leading the way, scoring 20 points. Uh, the Spartans also had very uh, great performances from Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard to move to 15-8 and eight on the season. Well, Ohio State season, it's been nothing short of a disaster, to say the least. Uh, after starting the season 10-3, the Buckeyes have lost 9 out of their last 10 games, with 7 of those losses being lost by 10 points or less. So does Michigan State go on the road and beat Ohio State in Columbus on uh, Super Bowl Sunday? 
Wow. Uh, you know, your comment about Super Bowl Sunday put a wrench in my gut. Answer me this. I'm going to throw this back at you. Look at this roster of Zed Key, Justice Suing, Bryce Sensabaugh, as well as Isaac Likele. And tell me if that's a team who would be under 500. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that. No, no. And, you know, just lost to Michigan in something that's crazy, you know, Michigan's not that good. Bruce Thornton, the freshman guard, had he was like the one bright spot. He had 22 uh, for Ohio State. They're bad. I mean, they're like not good. So <laughs> I think that this, the win that Michigan State just had does a lot for them in terms of confidence and and also intensity maybe after opening the game on a 15 nothing run and nearly losing yeah <laughs> um i want to say it's michigan state and it's just because ohio state has been so awful so awful despite those four key players that we listed who are all individually very good but uh, it's a wonder to me how Joey Hauser continues to be the best player on the floor for the Spartans night in and night out. And um, really, like, it's about to be the month of Izzo. So I, I say couple that with the Spartans not playing that well but still nodging a win and you have finally you found your, your leader and your key two or three. So I think those are important strides. Um, maybe like they'll receive a tongue lashing from like nearly throwing away a fifteen nothing lead. <laughs> I don't know. I hope that that the intensity flips a little bit because think about it this way: three in a row, three games in a row, Michigan State has been up by eight, ten, and fifteen, and they're one and two. <laughs> 8, 10, and 15. Uh, you and I were talking about this. <laughs> uh, I know that you guys who are listening can't see my partner handwork here and what he's doing, but his face is clasped between his hands. He's breathing in a sigh of, of pain, and uh, now he just exhaled that, stretching the eyelids out a little bit. There's clearly some frustration that's pent up over there, but Michigan State has been in a tailspin of their own. It's not as bad as Ohio State's, and I think that's the last reason that I'll go with Michigan State is that they've been bad, but not that bad. (laughs) So this is like turned into two teams that were projected to finish highly in the Big Ten. Now they're not. And, um, you know, this is one of those games where you say toss it up and then uh, let them play, and we'll figure it out from there. Well, the thing with Michigan State, I mean, if they finish the season out strong, they can still finish highly in the Big Ten Conference. That, th- those dreams for Ohio State, though, are pretty much over. Um, 
My biggest concern with the Spartans, and you mentioned how they started the game out 15 and nothing. And then, <laughs> like, come on. Uh, like, they they got to close out these games. And uh, you've seen it a bunch of times. They've had so many games where they had this big second half lead and they escaped narrowly with a W. Villanova was one of them. Illinois, they lost that. Purdue. Um, Rutgers, like, they had these big leads, and they just collapsed in the second half. So I think the key for this one for Michigan State is they're going to have to start off fast like they did against Maryland, especially when you're going on the road to play an Ohio State team. I think this game is going to be close, basically because you mentioned uh, we mentioned all the close games that ha- the Buckeyes have had this season that they have lost. So they're going to play a tight one it's at home against this Michigan State team. But in the end, Michigan State, it won't be pretty, but they're going to escape Columbus, I think, with a W. And moving on, finally, to our final prop bet. Michigan State had a total of 13 turnovers in that game, their last road game against Rutgers. It was eight last night against Maryland. So do they go over or under 13 turnovers against the Ohio State Buckeyes? You said it was eight last night? It was eight last night, 13 against Rutgers. Yeah, even after playing, because I said 12 against Rutgers. I gave you 12, I think. Isn't that, that's what happened, right? Yeah. I, I said over, under, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know what I think the prop bet should be? I think it should be, does Michigan State go on a 10 nothing scoring run at some point? And do they allow a 10 nothing scoring run at some point? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Uh, to both of those? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's the cardiac type of game we've seen from Michigan State the last couple weeks. 13 against the Buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah. This is setting up to be a calamitous effort, I think, um from from Michigan State at least from the standpoint of holding on to the basketball. I don't see it's typical to sit here and think, oh, they only threw it away eight times. They're getting better. No, no. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think that. Do you remember? You must remember when we just we went into Columbus and just got pasted by the Buckeyes a couple years ago. 2018, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a highly ranked team. Obviously, this isn't that, but I think this is a scenario where we could see a similar effect. Uh, And if that were the case, it's because of a high level of turnovers. So, screw it. I'll go. I'll go over. I don't want to, but I. I think looking at it and the way that Ohio State does the things they do defensively, they don't do a whole lot right, but that's one thing they do right is flocking to the basketball so yeah i'm in total agreement with you i think they go over but like i said before this is going to be a dog fight it's going to be your typical i think 65 to 63 game and michigan state escapes columbus with a w 
So I'll go over and uh, hopefully Michigan State, uh, hopefully they don't give up a 10-0 run after they have a 10-0 run of their own on Sunday. Yeah, let's let's do this here. So I, I did some soul searching into this one that we just witnessed last night from the Breslin Center. Michigan State opened 15-0, and then it hung around 7 or 8 for the much of the first half. And then, lo and behold... Uh, uh, Maryland comes out of the second half 12-0. Like, Just like that. Snap of fingers. And then uh, it was back and forth. It, it was crazy. I mean, you, I know, I know what you were thinking because actually I was sitting with you for the first time all season. It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, like how, what's going on? How are we getting? And then to end the ball game, couldn't even get it in bounds. I know. It's like that was oh, ridiculous. I thought. Yeah, so many, so many issues. But anyway, let's. Why don't we wrap this up here? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, well, we thank you guys for uh, listening to Hedging in the Bet, uh, episode three of college basketball, and uh, we hope to have you back next week for for some more exciting college basketball predictions. Have a good one, guys. That is all from the Impact Sports Studio. You can catch us live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 88.9 The Impact for more collegiate sports betting analysis.